Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 26th, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts for the evening, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next two Starseed Quest to Arkansas are August 12th through the 15th and November 11th through the 14th. We have powerful new presentations and a great new crystal mine where we've been finding some beautiful, high-quality crystals. So the November event is nearly full, but we have had a few spots open up for August, so you could still claim a spot. This is a soul family reunion where you will claim your power on Initiation Day with the support of your star brothers and sisters. You can write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more details. Our special guest this evening is Eva Marquez, who is a spiritual consultant, healer, teacher, and writer with Pleiadian Starseed Ancestry. She works with a collective group of light beings from various star nations. She teaches workshops on starseed DNA activation and Atlantean soul healing. Activate Your Cosmic DNA, a guide to recognizing your starseed lineage and awakening the unique gifts inherited from your cosmic family is her new book. You carry within you the spiritual DNA of your cosmic family. Eons ago, the Pleiadians, along with other star nations, seeded the earth, and their energy remains. By recognizing your starseed lineage, you can activate your spiritual DNA and awaken the soul attributes that resonate with your star nation. In this spiritual guide, Eva explains how you discover your starseed lineage and activate your cosmic DNA. She presents in-depth teachings and channeled wisdom um, from the Pleiadian elders, Sirius, Andromeda, Centaurus, Epsilon, Eridani, and Lyra. Pleiadians are the soul healers with a frequency of unconditional love. Syrians are knowledge keepers. The Akashic records in the Library of Light are kept on Sirius B. Andromedans are healers and scientists and Lyrans are the wise elders. Centaurians are optimistic young warriors who can fix any problem, and Epsilonians are master mediators. They bring logic of the heart, and I lost my place. <laughs> okay, I lost, my, I lost my place. The page jumped, and I'm looking to get back on track here. Um, As you read about the star nations, you will automatically attune to their energies. When you connect with your ancestral star nation, you may experience the sudden awakening of ancient memories and your spiritual DNA will be activated. Eva includes energy exercises and guided meditations specific to each star family to help activate your spiritual DNA and awaken the light codes embedded within you. And her website is... Eva, E-V-A, Marquez, M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z, dot org. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank 
Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, and our Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session available with Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, Riley, or myself. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestation power. So you can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar retiming chart. And that takes about a week. So get it in earlier. So first up tonight, let me get my screen back up here. First up tonight, we have Anastasia with the wonderful, very popular Starseed News. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. Great to be with you. Thank you for the applause. And, you know, I had to kind of sympathize with you for a minute. I'm trying to get my nuts together for this (laughs) newscast, and I'm trying to get my pages straight. So that makes two of us. All right. Um, We have some interesting stories tonight, and I have wondered, have all you wondered, with all of the talk about carbon emissions and all of that, and I read that California is um, at least banning or considering to ban things like lawnmowers, or may I may be exaggerating, but the focus is on things like lawnmowers and even generators, which people in California really need uh, because of rolling blackouts. Uh, many instances where they're trying to ban this and that or modify this and that because they're worried about carbon emissions, and I have often wondered <clears throat> a couple of things. One is, why doesn't anybody ever mention volcanoes, which are a natural occurring event? And also, that's not man-made, but that's why they don't mention it. But also, in the realm of civilization problems, what about air flight? You know, air traffic must be a huge emitter of carbon monoxide. Well, I had my got a story that's related to that tonight. What they have been doing, unbeknownst to me until now, is that they are working on the development of fuel that will be carbon neutral. Because other people, not just me and my silent thoughts, are concerned about airline emissions. And uh, they have found that by taking carbon dioxide, water, and sunlight as its only inputs, a solar thermal tower in Spain is now producing carbon-neutral, sustainable versions of diesel and jet fuel. They're just starting this, but they say it appears to be a promising clean fuel project. The creativity of human beings amazes me when we put our minds to it. Well, why do we need sustainable aviation fuel? Well, you know, fossil fuels can be replaced with batteries or hydrogen in cars and trucks, but aircraft is trickery, trickery, trickier, they tell us. <laughs> there are more than 25,000 commercial airliners in service today. Have you ever watched and figured out how many flights? Daily, there's just tens of thousands of flights. And they say that the service lifetimes of these aircraft are about 25 years. And airlines desperately need to find carbon-neutral fuels to bring down emissions. Now, right now, it's a transitional step. But they say it's an important one until they actually come up with clean aviation technology. And they want to invert the entire global fleet to another type of fuel. But now, because of this company in Spain, they have found this much simpler fuel alternative that's made with solar panels. Now, this pilot plant, and it's in Spain, by the way, I mentioned that, 
This pilot plant runs on concentrating solar thermal energy. Uh, 169 sun-tracking reflector panels redirect the sunlight into a six-inch hole in the solar reactor at the top of this tall tower. Uh, the heat is used to drive a two-step thermochemical cycle. Water and pure carbon dioxide convert into syngas, which is converted into synthetic jet fuel. The researchers tell us that this solar tower fuel plant sets a technological milestone towards the production of sustainable aviation fuels. So there you have it. Anastasia had her concerns addressed, and someone wow. else is also working on it. And for those of you who are pet conscious and love your pets and want to take good care of them and you eat health food and you, you're mindful about what you eat and you might be giving your dogs raw meat, I bring you this story. A pair of new studies from researchers in the United Kingdom are giving a warning to dog owners who frequently feed their pets raw meat. The research indicates that pets fed raw meat diets are more likely to harbor antibiotic-resistant bacteria. One of the experts is very frank in his recommendations, indicating that he sees little reason why people should take risks feeding their pet raw meat. He does point out that he feeds his own dogs good quality dry food, but also adds that people are free to make their own choices. He says, I cannot comment on any potential benefits associated with raw meat feeding, but equally I have not seen any evidence that good quality processed dog food fails to provide good quality nutrition for dogs. He said, others should feel free to make their own choice, but should do so in the knowledge that raw feeding comes with potential risks. So, there you have it. And here is a story from science that's just super duper wild. Now, when I was young, a child, I was a curious person, and I imagine some of you may have done this, although the younger people probably wouldn't have thought about it, but when I was younger, spy movies were really popular. And um, who doesn't want what a lot of children, you know, like spy stuff? Well, anyway, when I was a Girl Scout, I had to come up with an invention. And I invented, come to find out later, it had been invented before, but I thought of it, or thought I did, of making invisible ink from milk. You can, uh, we used to be, have these fountain pens that had uh, uh, cartridges in them with ink. And one could empty out the cartridge and then draw up other substances inside the cartridge, which in this case I used, I put milk in it, and I had a milk fountain pen, which uh, appears invisible on the paper, but when you heat it up with a candle or something, your your secret message appears on the paper. Well, anyway, that's backfield. That's not what the story's about. But I'm here to tell you that we can all now forget about invisible ink. If we have secret messages, science has an alternative, because future spies will be sending secret messages encoded directly onto their DNA of living cells. Researchers at Howard Hughes Medical Institute have demonstrated a DNA typewriter by encoding full sentences into DNA, which may eventually function, they tell us, as a cellular black box. And as impressive as our own digital information storage systems are, they pale in comparison to nature's. DNA is an incredibly dense medium with a single gram able to store up to 250 million gigabytes of data and possibly more 
with some tweaking. Unfortunately, writing to and reading from DNA, they tell us, remains a fiddly process. Well, I would imagine I couldn't even comprehend of such a thing, and not even sure I like the idea, but that's beside the point. This research team developed this new system to record information to DNA easily and sequentially. They call it the DNA typewriter, and what it does is it inserts short segments of DNA into a blank DNA tape, one after another from left to right. The team created as many as 4,096 specific symbols that can be inserted and demonstrated that the DNA typewriter can lay them out in order to form full sentences that can be read back later. Is this weird? In their first tests, the researchers spelled out, what hath God wrought? Some of you may remember what that is about. Uh, it sounds dramatic. It is a Bible verse. It sounds like it. But the phrase was chosen because it was the first sentence transmitted via telegraph using Morse code. We learned that in third grade, by the way. The second phrase, Mr. Watson, come here, was similarly historic as the first line ever spoken over a telephone line. Now, they're encoding this into DNA. And the third and final sentence was, Bound Forever DNA, a line from a song by a Korean pop group. So there you have it, three sentences encoded in DNA. They tell us that the DNA typewriter isn't just for writing quotes into cells. The team says it would eventually be used to track the activity and history of cells, allowing scientists to unravel their development or responses to disease or drugs, just like a plane's black Box. In experiments, the researchers tracked how one cell divided into 1.2 million over the course of 25 days, analyzing their barcodes to reconstruct their family tree. Silence. Wow. Wow. Weird. Scary. Wow. Research about this was public, published in the journal Nature. DNA is so tiny, I mean, can't even imagine how that's even conceivable. All right, well, here's some fun stories about people who've done great things. And one gas station in the eastern United States recently temporarily lowered its price of gas, dropping it, if you can believe it, to below a dollar a gallon. I'm glad I wasn't in that line. <laughs> I probably <laughs> wouldn't be here talking to you tonight. <laughs> Over the 4th of July weekend, a gas station in Forest, Virginia, dropped its price per gallon of gas to 76 cents. Drivers had a two-hour window. That's what I'm talking about. They had two hours to get in line and get it, uh, to fill their tanks at 76 cents a gallon. The gas station tells us it was recognizing its customers during its second annual customer celebration by decreasing the prices. And the price drop at the Virginia gas station came as the current national average price for gas is just under 480, depending on where you live. And uh, it was $5 in June, by the way. So uh, in a related story, a gas station owner in Georgia has said he has no regrets about taking a financial hit in order to offer his customers discounted fuel over the 4th. His reasoning was a bit different. Uh, with a gallon of gas uh, in Georgia fetching an average of 431 um, and the wholesale cost price of gas at 385 the store lost around $1.86 a gallon for the duration of their deal, and it was $12,000 out of the owner's pocket. Here's the thing. The owner said he was happy to do it, 
He said, everybody's taking a hit right now economically. So the least I can do as a locally owned convenience store is give people a break. He was trying to help people who couldn't afford gas. Wow. Amazing. $12,000. Of course, with the price of gas, he probably made up for that and more in the next couple of days. But nevertheless, that was a pretty amazing thing to do. Well, this is an amazing story. Uh, we all like our dog stories. I certainly do. And an English family was stunned when their dog had run away, escaped, only to return later that day with a ribbon around its neck. What happened? Well, a man and his wife noticed that their backyard gate was ajar. They called the dog. The dog was gone. Uh-oh, they were sick with worry. Their five-year-old beagle had vanished. It was Sunday morning. Well, they, they loved this dog. They called the police. They called the dog warden. They looked all over the house, and they also knocked on neighbor's doors. Everybody started to join in. They were looking for Bonnie. Little did they know that a local man had spotted Bonnie by the side of the road when he was on his way to a dog show where he was entering two of his own dogs. He saw the dog. He knew it was lost. He thought he'd pick it up, keep it safe. He took it with him. Later, after the dog show, the man posted something on Facebook. He was trying to find this doggy's owners. The family found the post. While he was at the show, he decided to enter Bonnie into the competition. The lost dog. <laughs> he said to himself, I might as well enter her into the best rescue dog category. And guess what? She won. She returned to her family, very happy, very healthy, with a third place ribbon around her neck. Aww. She ran away. She got lost. She got found. She was taken to a dog show. She won third place <laughs> and uh, got taken back to her family. Oh. That's a pretty amazing story. I am sure the family <laughs> is absolutely ecstatic. I remember oh, the dogs yeah. that I've had, and they'd run off. Oh, I was desperate until they came back. It's a terrible feeling. Well, here's a story about a young man and a very generous woman. A 17-year-old teenager in San Diego returned a purse that was left in a grocery store parking lot. He didn't expect anything in return, but in the process, hundreds of people have tried to give him a reward. In fact, they actually did give him a reward, as I'm about to explain. This was a green handbag, and he found it in Ralph's parking lot in Chula Vista a couple of weeks ago. He didn't bring it inside the store. He decided that he was going to deliver it himself to the woman's front door. Now, although she wasn't there, the, nurse, uh, the purse was left with the roommates, and the home surveillance video was later used to track down this high school graduate to give this boy some love and some gratitude. The woman who owned the purse said, I looked into the ring camera and I was like, oh my God, he's just a kid. We need to find him and give him a piece of gratitude. Well, she posted the picture, the, the picture of the, from the ring camera on her social media site. <clears throat> she found the young man who returned the bag, which contained $20 and a wallet full of credit cards. The boy said, my mom always told me to do the right thing when nobody's around. I didn't expect anything back, honestly. If someone found my stuff, I'd want them to bring it back to me, he said. Well, that wasn't the end of the story because as a woman had posted it on social media, she also set up a GoFundMe campaign 
as a way for friends and admirers to reward this boy for his honesty. 764 people sent money for this campaign, for this boy, that totaled over $17,000. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, indeed. You know, this just indicates how desperate people are for good people to do good things. People are so, it's it's like, oh, my God, we can't believe it. Somebody has done something really decent, and that is so unusual anymore. Let's reward. That's a beautiful story. It is. Well, I don't know how many of you follow TikTok, but it certainly is the latest rage. And I thought I'd share this story with you. Describing these people as perfect nuisances, nuisances, can't say that. As a perfect nuisance, I'm trying to say that in plural, Buddhist monks in Nepal are banning TikTok video creators from using their country's religious heritage sites as a stage for the popular social media application. There's nothing that detracts from the beauty of a sacred space more than when a sizable fraction of the visitors endlessly use it as a social media backdrop, the priests say. To this end, Nepal has decided that enough is enough. The whole country's up in arms, containing many of the holiest sites in Buddhism. Security companies and Buddhist groups from the capital, Kathmandu, and elsewhere are enforcing now no TikTok zones around all of their sacred sites. Um, They say that TikTok people playing loud music creates a nuisance for pilgrims. Um, It disrespects the birthplace of Buddha. We have banned TikTok making in and around the sacred garden where the main temples are located. I don't know about you guys, but don't you think that kind of goes without saying? But well, it should. It. So they banned <laughs> it. Yes. A man who had to walk 33 miles to work. I want to share that story with you, if I can turn the page. Gee. All right. This comes from Prineville, Oregon. A guy walked 33 miles to work. I don't know if I could have done it on my best days. I suppose I could have, but uh, his story story got spread around, and as it turned out, somebody gave him a car. But let's back up. Uh, He walked 33 miles to work in Bend, Oregon, after his car broke down. He had no other transportation. He had no means to pay for transportation. He had not a dime on him. He began looking for a ride, and he couldn't find one. He said, I had to go to work no matter what. So I got up early. I started about 10 o'clock. I left for Bend, and it took six and a half hours. But I got there. Then he worked his eight-hour shift. Well, after the newspaper heard about it, and the newspaper printed his story, emails started pouring in from people who wanted to give this boy a hand. And there was a man, a farmer, local farmer, who said, He was working on his tractor when the story about this came across his cell phone. He said, I talked to my wife. We decided we have plenty more cars than we need, and we wanted to give him our little Honda. The boy said, he just gave me the paperwork for the car and told me it's mine. He said, the kindness and generosity of this community has been overwhelming. And as the uh, man who gave away the car uh, in this story said, Uh, We could all take time out of our lives to do some good for somebody. That's what the man said. And the interview is lovely to watch. It was a video. So a guy walked 33 miles to work. This is a story that didn't get ignored. Somebody suffering in difficulty didn't get ignored. People chimed in and helped out. Changed his life. 
That's how it should be. Yeah. Oh, this is a story that's really something. I don't know about you guys, but I love kittens. I have chased stray kittens around city centers, uh, wild kittens that need a home. One time I chased one down. I really knocked myself out. I worked really hard. Finally caught him, took him home. Most beloved cat I ever had. Beautiful little kitten. Loved him for 15, 16 years. So I just love this story because the kitten that was taken, I mean, look, I just love kittens. You see a picture of a kitten, this brings back a lot of memories. Uh, this is a story about a Walmart store and a town and a fire department that responded to a Walmart store uh, employee to rescue a kitten stuck inside of a vending machine. Oh. The city of Morristown said in a Facebook post that employees at the Walmart store contacted the fire department when they heard a kitten crying from inside the Pepsi vending machine. Everybody could hear the kitten crying. The firemen knew what to do. They unplugged the machine. They took the cover off the back using their tools, but they couldn't see the kitten. They looked and looked. Finally, they found a different opening. Guess not everybody knows the ins and outs of vending machines, but they figured it out. And through this opening, they could finally see the kitten, and they coaxed it out of the hole. The tiny kitten was adopted by the employee, the one that first heard the kitty's cries for help. Fire crews joked about naming it Pepsi. One Facebook <laughs> owner said, call it Mountain Mew, M-E-W. <laughs> oh, wonderful story. So the employee adopted the kitty, and I don't know whether it's named Pepsi, Mountain Mew, or just Lucky, but there it is. Kitty found a home. Spent time in a Pepsi machine. I don't know how he got in there. Who knows? Okay, this is a story from an airport. This is about a pilot who saved the day for a little girl who lost her tooth. A little girl was worried the tooth fairy would not find her lost tooth on an airplane, but Captain Josh stepped in and saved the day. On a recent flight from New York to South Carolina, six-year-old Lena lost one of her bottom teeth. She fell asleep on the plane, and when she woke up, the tooth was gone. Their flight from New York to South Carolina was their last flight on a long travel day from Norway. Lena and her mother tried to go back through security to search the plane for her tooth, but security was closed. Well, the captain, who happened to be passing through the terminal, saw Lena. He offered them to write a note to the tooth fairy and just tell her about the situation. And this is what he did. He wrote, Dear Tooth Fairy, Lena had a tooth fall out of her of her mouth on her flight to Greenville. Please accept this note in place of Lena's tooth. Sincerely, Captain Josh. The little girl was thrilled. <laughs> she uh, uh-huh. felt very much comforted that the tooth fairy would understand. You know, uh-huh. In a world full of bad airline stories, this uh, airline uh, company came through when the child fell asleep on her flight home and woke up without a tooth. She was so concerned the tooth fairy wouldn't show up because the tooth was somewhere on the airplane. The pilot (laughs) saw what was going on, and he helped her out. She said, thank you, Captain Josh. I'm sure the tooth fairy will accept this note in exchange for my little tooth. Okay. Uh So, Oh, by the way, somehow the tooth fairy got her letter and wrote back. Tooth fairy said, Lena, it's okay that you lost your tooth on the airplane. I will get your tooth. Keep brushing. 
the notes you sent me, the, the notes, but little six-year-old Lena is happy now. It's all settled. You know, um, in a world where there are so many things that are disturbing and we all are um, struggling to fulfill our destinies in a time of great challenge, we all sometimes wonder, what is this all about? What's our purpose? What's my mission? I think that's a, a theme pretty central to Starseeds. Um trying to delve into the deeper meaning of life. But I'd like to share something with you tonight. I do this once in a while, so I'm going to do it tonight. In all of our searching for meaning, you want to know what your life is about. You'll want to know what you're supposed to do. You could do anything of majesty and magnificence that you could think of. But unless we take the time to do something good for somebody else, as often and as much as we can, none of the rest of it matters. So in lieu of the story about the man who gave the boy a car, I'm going to quote him as he said it. Take the time to do something good for somebody else. That's a great mantra to live by. Unless we do that, I don't think anything else much matters. So from my heart to each one of you, much love. Everybody will see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anastasia. Great stories this week. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you in two weeks. Okay. Bye-bye. All righty. So I'm going to now get Lavendor's microphone open and our special guest. Is it Eva or Ava? It's Eva. Eva? Okay, thank you. Okay. So, Eva, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you with us tonight. Thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you for this wonderful news. Oh, my God, it's so refreshing to hear such a good, uplifting news. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> world needs all of that that we can get. So, Lavender, are you set to go? I'm ready to go, yes. Thank you. All right. So, Ava, I am so excited about your book, Activate Your Cosmic DNA, Discover Your Starseed Family. So give us a little uh, intro of of yourself and and how this uh, book came to be. Well, thank you so much for inviting me for this show and giving me this opportunity to share with the world how this all came to life. So obviously I'm a star seed. I connect myself with Pleiadian star nation that I feel is my soul family, but to all other benevolent star beings or the beings in this universe, because there's definitely a vast of them where we came from. Same as I would say all of us who enjoy this show and this kind of the topic, I have been different and it has been a difficult life for many, many years. Because with starseeds, we come with the stories of our life filled with suffering, abuse, and making a poor choices that manifest a little bit more suffering and abuse. And while trying to figure it out myself and um, the things that I can feel and I would be afraid of, I was, you know, to trying to find the answers and... Well, I was looking for them because I don't have this wonderful story as everybody says, oh, I always knew and they talked to me and it was beautiful. But they talked to me, but I used to be very afraid of them because my life was a mess. So I was looking for the answers and I promised myself that if I find them, if I find 
to overcome to all kind of the fears and uh, very dysfunctioning life patterns that I brought into this life, I will help the others to find a way as well, all those who are as, <laughs> as um, living a difficult life as I did. And it wasn't until my first child was born that I really decided I want to be different and face all the fears that I had. But it was that, that was the beginning of it. And then came the Lyme disease and the sickness, right, that really brings you down. A little bit before I became sick, I had this moment when I met Pleiadians or the Pleiadians met me. I was looking, I was trying to connect with my guides. And it didn't really work out for me the way as, you know, it worked out for my friends. And one day I was washing dishes and there was this present beside of me that says, can you? And Pleiades. And I broke down into tears and I just knew that I was home. I didn't know actually what Pleiades was. So I, when I Googled it and picture of the beautiful stars came on the screen and I cry a little bit more. And then I spoke to what is I call today language of light. And that was the beginning of the journey. The Pleiadian says, well, you are a healer. You are a soul healer. And I was like, nah, as long as I understand, it's fine. Well, little did I know that that will become very helpful information when I became sick with uh, Lyme disease. When I had a Lyme disease, I caught it actually really in the beginning. I became severely ill in the matter of the two weeks when I couldn't get out of the bed and I was in pain that what we can call to the childbirth is like to walk in the paradise uh, compared to pains that I think I had. At that moment, I do believe I left the body in my bedroom. I had a, what I understood later, the near-death experiences. And I entered the inner city of the earth or the crystal cities. And everyone was beautiful and brilliant and bright and, uh, and the love that is there. I do believe that extraterrestrial beings, Pleiadians, and the others do live inside of the earth as well. It was just something undescribable. I'm pretty sure I didn't go on the other side as other people described because I you know, was trying to find the answers later on. And they told me that I have Lyme disease, that I need to look for the immediate medical attention, and that I need to learn the healing. I need to learn to heal myself so I can help the others. When I returned back to the body, it was very painful and very, I didn't want it to return back, but I had a two little children that show up in my mind and I knew I had to return back for them. That was the moment of change. Oh, it always makes me emotional, I'm sorry. That was the moment when I knew that if I can help myself, I can help the others because there were so many people who suffer like I did. And that was the beginning of it. And I started to do, I healed myself. It took about a year. Uh, I learned a lot of about the energy healing, and I started to do readings for the people. And through the readings, I started to connect with these star beings and star nations. And I realized that same as you can read for the people in the past life readings, you can feel their past lives prior they came on Earth. And there was a similarity that Pleiadian star seeds have a lot of abuse and in their life that they manifest or they like the dogs, eight ninety percent of them. Versus Andromedian starseed do prefer the dolphins and aquatic life and oceans and the seas and they usually have very physical problems, healthy problems to activate their healing body and so much on. And so I started to collect these informations for my clients and for my friends. 
and over probably three to four years, this information eventually collected themselves into the book. And that's, you know, the book was finished quite a few years before it was published. But since then, the information is still the same. And I found it absolutely fascinating that we can find these similarities. And when I was listening to your news, you know, about DNA typewriter, I have to keep thinking about it. Well, that is what is literally built up inside of us. We do have a DNA within us that I would say when you are sensitive, you can read that DNA. I, don't, I think as a description may sound rather interesting because that's what we are reading. We're reading the imprint of the soul-mind energy that has its unique DNA that can um, give us this information. Where did you live before you came on earth? Did you have a lifetime before that? What did you learn? What were your uh, gifts? What were your qualities? What were your specialities? And how you can utilize them in our life here on earth? So... That is much longer story than I intended to say. Okay. How did okay. it go into life? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good introduction. So I wanted to ask you if you would briefly describe these twelve seeding races that you have been able to track and to work with the twelve, and 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 to because um, on page uh, eighteen you have listed uh, twelve and, and their meanings besides them. If you would go over that, that would be great. Second. Page 18. All right, so the six to eight of them I work almost every day with. <laughs> but let's go to the page 18. Here we go. All right, so we'll take it by the, by the 12 the seating races. Yes. Yeah. So let's start with the Syrians. So the Syrians are, are the knowledge keepers. That is where we connect the Akashic records. So let's try to think about it this way before I describe it. And this is not actually fully written in the book, but I think those who are really interested will make a sense to it. We do have a 12 plus one main DNA. Um, Plus minus, you know, there are different opinions about it. But we want to look into the body. We have a 12 main meridians plus central and governing who would make for, you know, connected together for that 13 strength. So that each meridian could be connected to one organ or blood or the immunity system. And so each star nation uh, contribute to that part of the DNA to our human body. So we literally have these 12 families part of our human body. So we can, you can, we can embrace, not only activate the DNA, but literally embrace and fully use the DNA within our body. So let's start with the series. Series are the wisdom keepers, the uh, Akashic records. So they literally give us the ability to connect to our past as well to our possible future. So we can heal our past and um, change the future to different reality that we would like to have, especially now when the time is in those changing times and there's so many possibilities for the new reality. 
Andromedians, they are the healers. So the Andromedians actually connect to us specifically through the bladder because the bladder is the main brain of the body. And from there, it feeds into our physical brain. So the Andromedians are phenomenal healers of the physical body, of the physical vessel, not only of our earthly one, but among each other in the universe as well. Um, I jokingly talk about them as, you know, your car serviceman. When you have a car and you have to bring it to the shop for the upkeep or the repair or the oil change, you go to the guy who you know that what they are doing. That's what the Andromedians are. And so healing gifts are um, just beautiful and good to learn from them. And then we have a Pleiadians, um, obviously, one of my little favorites up there who are the soul healers, but there's no favorites. They are all equal and worthy. We have to put it up there. The soul healers. Now our soul sits within the heart. If you think about it, the heart is the first organ that is created within the embryo. When the egg and the sperm together, the heart is the first organ that is created. That is literally vessel for our soul. Now our soul carries the knowledge and wisdom from all this universe and from beyond this universe. So the Pleiadians taught me that, you know, there are many universes. This universe is intelligent mind. And the soul group came into different time frames to connect with this intelligent mind to have experience of life. And that's what, you know, the Pleiadians are connected to that original soul energy. Now I'm going to jump here a few um, few uh, lines down to the Orion because the Orion, Bellatrix, Regal, Mintaka, those are literally uh, protectors, guardians, knowledge keeper of the mind because all this, you know, Bellatrix, Regal, Mintaka come from the Orion constellation. So think of it that the center of the mind may be centered among the Orion beings and center of the soul, energy, and the groups of this universe can be centered around the Pleiadian beings. Of course, they are, you know, spread all around this universe and in the different star nations. But if we look for the core of it, that can be understood, would be there. It's interesting, you know, to look at the Orion and neighboring star nations up there because they have been definitely dark lords and part of the or instigators of the galactic wars, but that's been so long time ago. But it is not necessary the beings, it is the mind that can get corrupted and the mind can uh, want to possess and control everything. So Orion beings gave us, you know, with all of them, gave us this energy of the mind or influencing energy of the mind within the body. We know that the energy of the mind within the human body, within human body splits into ego, in that lower dimensional animal ego. And it's very easy to control somebody from this energy through this energy to instill any kind of the mind controlling program. So the human body is controlled through the suffering and the fear and need for the reproduction. Um, it's very primitive. And once you understand it, then it can work, you know, with these beings. Epsilon Eridani, they very much connect with the Pleiadian beings. They are wonderful mediators and peacemakers. peacemakers. Um, they always tell me that they are the one who would negotiate eventually the contact 
up here on the earth within the human beings and alien beings. But uh, they know that there's a, there are stations here in the inner earth, underwater. They know that, you know, um, the aliens beings do come and leave, benevolent and malevolent beings. But if there's one day will be that introduction, I mean, positive and good introduction, not just a fake stage out um, thing that we would like to hear, the Epsilon Eridanians would be the one. So they add to our soul energy um, within our body that we can emotionally connect and our nervous system can handle all those things. Lyrans. Lyrans are fascinating because they are literary and um, they are grandfathers of the DNA. That's why I wrote that, that they have a, they are watchers and ancestors. They have this run of being advanced technological being and another half of them would be very nature lion uh, feline star nation very light back a healer's beings but those who have been you know living that futuristic lifetime uh, so long time ago in the lyra have definitely mingled and pushed for the dna changes and alternation for the very very positive reasons in the beginning it definitely wasn't meant to be like oh god you know we're going to change our dna and alter everybody and control and create all kind of the um slave species all across the universe i don't think so the way you know how they uh, shared it with me was that they definitely took a wrong turn if our minds start be advancing without the balancing of the heart of our soul they do become more, you know, self-centered and focused and focus more on the comfort instead of on the feelings and do the things that eventually may turn against us. So that's what happened with the um, artificial intelligence and genetic modification and so much on. And they are here to help us to, um, to heal and to get it right this time. Um, interesting part about the light and that they connect to the stomach. So a lot of light and beans, if you associate any fields with the lyra, you probably having a stomach problem, digestive problem, and lots of grief in your life to realize that, you know, you can find the joy and the happiness everywhere you want. So lions do bring grief for us. We can forgive ourselves because we are literary uh, um, descendants of them. Whenever we like it or not, they are descendants of these alien beings who genetically modify the primate beings, and we need to make a peace with it so they can activate this phenomenal gift that we have. Arcturians, they hold knowledge and healing. So to me, Arcturians are very connected to Andromedians, again, the healers of the body. Um, the fun part about Arcturians is also I see them as... Um, when we look at the movie and the man in black, sort of, you know, protector, the guardians of the galaxy, they make sure that you connect at the right place when you are ready. They usually present people with, um, with the assistance and the awakening, with the adjustment of the body, but with also the tests to be able to reach the higher dimensions. And when you do it with integrity and honesty and love, then... Pegasusians, so the Pegasusians, Epsilon, Eridani, Pleiadians, very much, again, connected to soul energy. They are peacemakers and negotiators. 
if you come to, you know, some nasty divorce battle where you need to settle down, uh, when you need to make a settlement and when you need to, you know, to negotiate the best outcome for everybody, that's where you want to have a Pegasusian star being on your side because, oh God, they're just amazing. Um, again, them and especially Epsilon Aridani, they can literally freeze the time and they can look at the pieces of the truth like this atoms that they can take apart and they can see possible good outcomes or the future from different kind of the scenarios and so you can make choices that would be the best for you so it's not that they only settle things for us or negotiate the best outcome for us they also show us and present us you know what it could be i don't know in the scenario a b or c and it is us who will make that choice, which I think is beautiful and benevolent. So it's not that somebody's running the life for us. They says, look, is this, 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 what are you going to choose? Now, Virgo, Virgo are fascinating. Doctors heal us and they are connected to this medicine of the future. So the Virgo beings that I read for, many of them are in the medical field, are doctors. And they came from way higher dimension than Pleiadians and the other beings. So let's say they may be seven, eight, nine dimensional beings. Uh, I always tell people don't get really stuck up on the number. Let's just feel it as, you know, higher frequency and lower frequency because how do we really know? But interesting part is that Virgo beings are very much beyond the emotional connection. Now they do have a soul mind, heart mind connection, but they sort of solve everything with that higher intelligent mind so they are not as emotionally connected and they're having a horrible lot uh, horrible horrible time sometimes in their life to make that emotional connection I almost feel like there's something wrong with me i can make an emotional connection well once they start understanding that they healing gifts are futuristics uh and they learn a little bit more from the Andromedians of it, Andromedians. So Andromedians go like in this old fashion and hands on healing and the crystals and comfort and beauty and singing the kumbaya and the Virgo brings the rife frequencies and all kind of the technology and, you know, the stuff with it like that would be like one like, oh, DNA typewriter. Let's see what we can do with it. If that is <laughs> combined together, I mean, that would be phenomenal, right? That's what yeah. I'm yeah. the Yeah. I also wanted to. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to ask you about. Um, in the book, you talk about uh, finding a tree, and working with a tree. Can you can you give our audience a little um, description of of how you wrote about getting in touch with a tree and how a tree can help you ground yourself and also bring in information. Oh, definitely. So. The Pleiadian energy on the earth is everywhere in the nature. So since, you know, our soul is so connected to Pleiadian energy, it is very much easier to connect with the trees and with the nature. So my story with it started when I was a little child and I would always sit and climb on the cherry tree and I felt this comfort among a very chaotic, chaotic times. And then later on, when I really went through my uh, awakening and changes and chaos and the sickness, it was the tree energy that I would say saved me. Holding your hands, putting your hands on the tree and just the focusing on its energy will help you to quiet mind. Because many people and many stars suffer with that 
rushing mind when you just can't stop it. It goes 100 miles an hour and you are oversensitive and everything is bothering you. So let's say you find your tree, you feel, you, you, you go toward the one that you feel called to. There's definitely, when you go for the walk, there's this one or two trees who says, hey, I want to be your friend. Then make a friend. <laughs> you know, you, you hug the tree and you can talk to the tree as you would talk to the friend. And you will realize that you can slow down your mind. You can stop your thinking. You can just focus how your hands feel on the bark of the tree. And if, you know, there has been a scientific study done that the trees actually support each other as a family through their roots. They reach to each other and they nourish to each other. They give water to each other when the other tree is in distress. So... They are definitely our family. The roots are connected to the inner earth and to our soul family down there. Um, does that answer the question? Well, uh, there's been a, a a renaissance, I think, happening now with the elementals and the trees and the rocks. Have you noticed where you're living that you're getting more activities out in the forest and around trees and around um, sacred places is this happening for where, where you're living oh absolutely absolutely it feels like you know you just walk by them and they are talking to you it was actually I think two years ago if you want to hear the interesting tree story I was sitting on my porch and I was doing something and I felt this energy coming to me from the tree and then the tree actually, you know, was dry and didn't come back to life. It's like it shared its very last force with me. And it says, I'm done. I'm fine. I'm going. <laughs> There's going to be something else. And I was like, wow, I was really baffled by it. The trees do have energies and they have spirits. They have messages. And again, you know, that Pleiadian or soul energy is within them. It's that living force within um, that wants to share with us, that wants our attention, because it's easy to channel through them than just to sit and channel from high Pleiades or Orion or Sirius. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So do you do you do seminars? Do you do retreats? Do people come to you where you live, or do you do everything online? So so far, I do everything online. Um, I do the Zoom classes, I do readings via Zoom or the phone online. Um, that's all what I do for now. I'm planning to do sem seminars and uh, things in about a year from now. As soon as I send my kid to college, then I'm going to have more time for it. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. it sounds like to me that you are someone that's been placed on the planet to really help direct some of this uh, Starseed Nation work on the planet so I applaud you for taking the time to write the book and and for bringing forth the information for the Starseeds and at this time I'd like to pass you over to my co-host Arielle and she has the switchboard and if anyone's listening um, please um, if you want to call in and, and ask a question or have a comment uh, please do so and anytime you want to come on our show and announce anything at all, even if it's just for five minutes, you always have a standing invitation to do that. Okay? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank oh. you for what you are doing. Okay. So back to you, Ariel. Okay. Um, well, just let me uh, repeat that 
If you have a, a question or comment for Eva, uh, you, if you're already on the switchboard, then you just need to press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. Or if you're listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, you press 1 so our producers know you have a question. So um, a couple of times you um, mentioned the inner earth. Can you talk more about that? We are um, very interested in the uh, information from inner earth. Absolutely. Okay. So Palladians, Shabbat, Midi says, you know, it is much more easy to connect with the inner earth and the information that you have left there inside. So whenever we call it, you know, the telos, right? Um, there in the under the California and the Mount Shasta, the Crystal City, Shambhala, I do believe they are all interconnected. So there would be the several kind of the cities. Now everybody who considers themselves a star seed or you know is very fascinated with this topic, naturally we all had many lifetimes since we are here since most likely the time of the ancient Lemuria, which in my mind started before ancient Atlantis. So the Lemurian beings, when they realized that this is not going well, and they may be the destruction of the Lemuria, I believe that they had, or what they share with me is that they, that they, um, they found the inner, inner in a life or in a cities within the earth that they could develop and they could um, create the life there. So it's not that the life was there. I do believe that they started or originated the life out there, just tweak it a little bit, help it a little bit, and um, the life evolved up there. Lemurians were phenomenal because they did not interfere with the natural evolution of the life or the uh, natural weather disasters, what would be happening, but they did develop the inner cities of the earth. So let's say that we have leaf among them. Now you would be having a life memories, living inside of the earth and living on the top of the earth among the humanity, helping and assisting to each other. Now we have utilized these memories or this kind of the let's say the advantage of it, especially in the time of the ancient Egypt. So the ancient Egypt started as a place for the survivalists of the cataclysm of the Atlantis. Now in the ancient Egypt, we realize as a soul group or the soul family that we need to preserve lots of knowledge for us because we are stuck here. We became definitely stuck here for quite some time before we could leave and then we have decided to stay here. So we have to hide lots of knowledge for us that we can find. Where do you hide it? You hide it in the nature and you connect it to the inner earth. Because you know that one day you will remember and when you will remember, you will know how to find it. So we know that the crystals are connected to the earth, to the inner earth, and they can be programmed. The consciousness can be programmed to hold any kind of the knowledge. So, you know, if we have a DNA typewriter, we would have this typewriter how to inscribe the DNA 
knowledge, information into what we would call today Lemurian crystals. Now, you know that you can go and you find a lot of crystals, a lot of Lemurian crystals, but you have to also find the right person who will match to that information, to that DNA information that is inscribed inside of that crystal and that will match to you. And it doesn't have to match only to you. My theory is that you can match to your, let's say, intermediate soul family, that you would share the same, some kind of the signature uh, on it. But all that would be stored inside of the earth. And the inner earth would also send out the information through the roots of the trees to let that bring it to us. It's like when I got the jolt of the energy from the tree, it wasn't only the tree, it was the message from the inner earth, like, hey, pay attention, something's going on, connect with us, here they are. There are definitely a lot of portals opening uh, from the inner earth to us because they want to work with us. Um, I, I was that was just what I was yep. I was going to ask. It's like mm-hmm. the the civilization inside the earth is aware of us, but most of us are not aware of them. Yes. Right? I do believe okay. so. Yes. Yes. So, and they also and, uh-huh. and you're Go saying ahead. that the, the, the civilization inside the earth mm-hmm. um I, I'm I'm kind of like just feeling that they have not made a lot of the same mistakes that we have, so yeah. they don't have to deal. They don't have to deal with uh, the consequences of all of those bad choices that we've made. Um, yeah. But so they have something to teach us, is what you're saying. Yes, definitely. I mean, they are more evolved than us. You know, we who have decided to stay here, I think we have. Devolve. If you think about it, we have a mem- memories to be in the Lemuria, Atlantis, the ancient Egypt, and here we are scrambling to connect and reconnect and put the tiny bits and the bits and the pieces together. We definitely devolve, and we have to also follow the incarnation law when we forget. So here they are. Let's say they are our soul family, the part of that civilization who helping us to remember, who says, okay, we don't have to follow your incarnation law. We have all intact memories. And once you reach a certain level of the frequency, they will connect with you. And I think that this has been the best hidden secret ever there. Um, This kind of makes me like, you know, get insight about the hidden secret. Because, you know, we all think like, oh, God, we have to connect up there. We have to go and live on the Mars and anywhere else. And they definitely divert our uh, attentions and intentions to go outward instead of until we realize, okay, we have to go inward and inside instead of, you know, all up there and start learning from them. And that is a beautiful and nice, quiet learning, almost like staying under the radar where you are not detect that and I think that we have definitely prepared for that prepare for that connection to get ourselves into the point where we can learn from them because when you shining your light way too bright beyond the earth you are detected by all kind of the energies and the beings and we all know that there are um, those who don't have the best intentions for us I don't want to get anybody paranoid and so much on because, you know, once you hold yourself your way and you, you know, do, you, 
you're going to do well. Not, you know, we cannot stay and leave in the fear. But it's definitely, you know, very interesting and helpful to start connecting with these beings inside of the earth and learn from them. How we can, what we can learn from them to sustain the earth, to make a positive changes. If there's a civilization living down there, which I 100% believe they are because I feel I met them, they have a highest intention for the earth to survive. They don't want the earth to be destroyed or nuked or whatever it is that we want to do with it. No, no, that we want to do, that they want to do with it, right? Yeah. Don't want to point yeah. a finger up here. But they have that and they want to help us. They want to guide us. And they are, in my opinion, they are very benevolent because they don't take charge in their hands. They spend the time to nourishing us and teaching us and help us to connect and change and so much on um, until we do so. It was, uh, I don't know, guys, if you are, you, I'm sure that you are familiar with the work of the Barbara Henclaw and right. her Pleiadian Agenda where she write about this second dimensional beings who literally do cause the illnesses and problems within the body. And it is for the reason that we will reconnect with the earth and really recognize her and do the work that, you know, it's part of us as well. It's not only for us to ascend and get out of here. It is what kind of the legacy we leave behind us, how we help the earth to be a most beautiful and magnificent place for future generations to come here. And that was literally I learned through my Lyme disease. It, I, I know the moment when the activist fly who bit me, it wasn't a tick. And I knew the moment when it happened, I could feel the little beings running in the forest. And I was like, oh, man, what is that? And oh. I, I knew the moment when I became sick. It really manifested, a, I think, two, three weeks after uh, in a very violent way. But uh, thankfully, you know, we went all really fast. But it was like, well, pay attention to us. And of course, I was starting to be connected to Pleiadians. I wanted to have this outwardly connection instead of going inside of the earth and connect with them. So the good way to connect for those who are interested is, again, find your tree, find your guardian tree. Follow its roots down inside of the earth in your meditation. And you have to come there with honesty and integrity. There is nothing that you can do, you know, bargain or self-gain or anything. You come there for your own healing and understanding yourself, and you come there to learn as you would go to any school. And they're going to look at you for a little while, <laughs> and then when they feel like, okay, you know, you're okay, you come here, you can learn with us, and you're going to learn for a while, and then eventually they will lead you to your own knowledge. So I have this theory that we have hidden, you know, our personal knowledge inside of the earth, and we have done it in the increasement since the ancient Egyptian times. Um, now, if you wonder why not before, I do think that as you know, these ancient beings who lived who lived here and who had access to dimensionally travel in a fanciful spaceship. We never thought that we're going to stay on the earth or we will be stuck on the earth. So why we would be leaving all kind of the, you know, legacies here for us. It's like, you know, you go to Hawaii for the vacation. Why would you leave yourself that letter? Oh, dear Eva, when you come again, remember this, 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 and that. You know, when you said, no, 
yeah, I'm on the vacation. Everything's great. Um, until, you know, the time when we realize that the vacation is the forever place. Until we figured it out and we started to living um, this energy, the messages, the teaching out there. All our earthly past lives, whenever they are, I call it the pre-flood or after-flood. Pre-flood means that you are fully connected to your ancient um, ancient memories, ancient extraterrestrial memories. After-flood, you are literally your soul-mind consciousness is incarnating in the human body. And that's a totally different story because you have to always reconfigure the body to regain your consciousness, which takes a lot of time. And endeavor, it's not possible in every lifetime, as we know. But both of these files, literary, pre-flood and after-flood, are downloaded somewhere inside of the earth in the crystalline grid and can be accessed um, through the nature. So to understand, you know, sometimes the things make perfect sense in my head, but to make it a better explanation... Think of the crystalline grid of the earth as a beautiful mind, you know, the brain of the operations, something that can be programmed perfectly. I do think that this, you know, the, the shift between the south, pole, south and the north pole can be programmed. It is not just a spontaneous thing that happened. I think it could be definitely affected and programmed by our consciousness and so much on. But that beside, we have this thing of the crystalline grid that is like the best, most sophisticated computer and intelligence on this earth. It's a masculine kind of the energy. Now, we live in a place of duality. In a place of duality, you have to have a feminine energy. You have to have that soul energy. That's where the nature comes to life. So if we won't even talk about the animal life and our life here, we have a mind that is the crystalline grid of the earth and we have a nature. There is a nature inside of the earth, in the inner earth. People have seen it in their visions. When you travel there, you can feel it and see it in the visions. Perhaps the new earth is the part of the center of that earth, of that, you know, the inner earth. And so much on. Maybe that is where the Mayans went to. So you need this nature energy to retrieve the information from the crystalline grid. So they have to work the hand in hand, the feminine and masculine energy. That is why you need to connect with a boat. You can have your rock in one hand and hug the tree with the other hand because that's where you have a balance. Uh, for the both of it, it will be interesting to try and, you know, we have to learn to try to practice and experiment with it. So if I want to read my Lemurian crystal, I may find a tree that I feel drawn to. And actually, according to the Celtic um, astrological sign, I'm not sure if I'm saying it exactly right, um, your astrological sign has assigned a tree. So for example, the Capricorn is the birch tree. So you can Google it. It's all over the internet. You can find, you know, what is your tree according to the astrological sign and what that tree has a meaning for you that can help you, you know, to find your tree. But it doesn't have to be just an astrological sign. I love the cherry tree and that is not in my sign or the oak tree. They have a different kind of the meanings. So you can take your crystal, uh, put it, now don't put it on your third eye, put it on your belly button. 
because your third chakra has an extraordinary sense of the sight of the seeing that is connected actually to your third eye. That's why the empathy and clairsentience give us such a hard time because it's cloud our vision. So you put your crystal on your solar plexus, on your belly button, somewhere there where you feel comfortable and just lean by the tree or relax by the tree. And here you are. You are connected to the crystalline grid and to the nature. And then ask the questions. What is the specific thing that you want to know? And start with the simple things. You know, don't ask about the secrets of the whole universe on the one sitting uh, if, you don't, you know, if you are not trained to perceive all of that because you will just overwhelm yourself. But ask the simple question, you know, did I live here before? Am I connected to inner earth? Is anybody there? Uh, you can ask the questions that if I have a yes and no answer and feel it in the body, what is yes, what is no? And you have a communication with the inner earth right there. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that, you know, that makes so much sense, but I never thought of it in those terms. So thank you. Thank you so oh, much for that. Awesome. Yeah, it was like a little piece of the puzzle that I didn't quite have. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy I could share that with you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to uh, mention one more time your website, mm-hmm. which is Eva, E-V-A, Marquez, M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z dot org. And uh, it's a beautiful website. I, I took a look around and, and really nicely done a lot of resources. And um, I encourage you to you. pick up a copy. Pick a uh, pick up a copy of Activate Your Cosmic DNA. Um, you've got it on the website, and I figure other major book outlets as well. Yes, yes, okay. yes. It's on the Amazon and all major booksellers. The Inner Traditions, my publisher. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yay! Hello, <laughs> finally. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Um, for your work, for your information, for spending your time with us this evening. We really, really appreciate the work that you do. Thank so you. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. If there are any other point that you wanted to make before we close? Well, thank you so much for having me here. And um, I want to encourage to all starseeds and pursuing who you are. You are different for a reason. I used to believe that being different is really being cursed. It was a horrible thing. You know, you believe that your empathy and uh, all the feeling of the things is just like something that's just following you as this most horrible thing. Once you stop running from the fears and you start learning to understand that, you know, and accept and forgive and fill yourself with love, this curse changing the most beautiful gift that you can have. Be able to empathically feel the people, to read the people, will help you, you know, to make better choices in life. But those are the skills that help you to connect your healing abilities, to all your crystal reading abilities, to connect to the trees and the inner cities and so much on. And the last thing what I want to point out, what I really wanted to put empathies in my book is on the practice. See, the remembering and knowing is the one thing, but then you have to put it in the practice. Whenever it is just, you know, to be that person who helps the other people, who saves the kittens, who gives the money to somebody else for the car, 
that means to be in the practice. You as a star seed, you create a way of life. And if somebody look at you and when I says, I want to be that person, the person who makes the meal for the others, the person who is kind, the person who is compassionate, that is what we came here to do, that people will look at you and they says, I want to be like him, I want to be like her. And uh, that sense that motion of giving it forward, paying it forward, and that's what changed this world. So thank you, everybody, for that you are here on the earth with all of us and we definitely have a work to do. And thank you, everybody here, ladies and gentlemen, oh. <laughs> you have a gentleman up there, for doing <laughs> the show and for doing what you are doing because it's definitely in you know, a lot of ups and downs and, um, you know, what people don't see behind the scenes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you know, we all work together and we all have a common, uh, a common goal and um, we express it in different ways, but yeah, star seeds are all over the planet. Yeah. So, you know, gather together and and just lift each other up. Absolutely. So, um, do let us know if you have, um, you know, another uh, another book or a special thing that you're starting. Maybe when you start doing uh, some. You know, local workshops or something. Anytime you want to let people know what okay. you're up to, just let us know. We can bring you back anytime. Thank you. All right. You're thank so you welcome. so much. You are so welcome, and thank you for being with us here this evening. And that is it for us tonight, everyone. We will be back uh, two weeks from tonight. And until then, always make sure that you find something to be grateful for in every day, and give compassion instead of judgment. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 